It happened many years ago, but I remember the encounter as if it occurred yesterday. I happened to be in Warwick one afternoon and I ran into a married couple that I knew from the northern part of the state. During the course of our conversation, the wife said to me, Father Ray, please keep us in your prayers. My husband and I have been trying to have children now for nine years. Tomorrow I'm undergoing in vitro fertilization for the fourth time. Please pray that it works so that we can finally have a child. Well, I was immediately put on the spot. It's because the Catholic Church, in the name of Jesus Christ, not in its own name, but in the name of Jesus Christ, teaches that in vitro fertilization is immoral. The desire to overcome infertility is, of course, a good desire, praiseworthy desire. But as St. Paul teaches us in his letter to the Romans, we may never use an evil means to attain a good end. An IVF is an evil means. Now why is that? It's not because technology is involved. The Church is not against technology as such. In fact, Jesus through his Church teaches that some medical methods of treating infertility are quite acceptable. But any method that replaces the marital act is immoral. That's the key point. Any method which replaces the marital act is immoral. And unfortunately, IVF does that. Children are conceived not through the loving union of two parents, but rather in a petri dish. And there are other immoral dimensions to the procedure. For example, the method that's normally used to obtain sperm is immoral, as is the common practice of destroying some of the eggs that are fertilized. Lest we forget, destroy a fertilized human egg is to destroy a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Well, as gently as I could, I tried to explain all this to the woman and her husband. And not surprisingly, they were devastated. The wife finally said, Father Ray, do you hate us now for having done this three times? Do you think less of us when you see us in the future? I said, of course not. You're wonderful people. Besides, in the past, you didn't realize that this was wrong, as many other Catholics don't realize that it's wrong. Then she added this comment, which I will never, ever forget. But Father Ray, our priest told us it was okay. We went to see him before we did any of this. He said that as long as they intended to put all the fertilized eggs back, it would be fine. I'm glad nobody took my blood pressure at that moment. I was livid. Not at the couple, but at the priest, who should have known better. You see, instead of telling these two good people the truth, instead of being courageous and giving them the right message, he told them what he thought they wanted to hear, probably because he didn't want to offend them. And what was the end result of it all? What was the end result of his compassionate act? Well, first of all, put me in a terribly awkward position. But beyond that, secondly, he made it much worse for this good, sincere couple. In trying to be a nice guy, he ultimately caused them to experience more pain when they finally learned the truth. The truth that he should have told them in the first place. 
Why do I mention this incident today? Number one, because this is an issue that many Catholics are unclear about. Number two, because our second reading for this Mass is addressed to Timothy, who was one of the very first leaders in the Church. St. Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, in which he tells the young priest how to be a good leader, how to be a good shepherd in the family of God. But nowhere in either of the letters does St. Paul say, Tim, make sure you're a nice guy. Don't ever offend anybody. Tell everybody what they want to hear. Give them an easy message. Rather, St. Paul encouraged Timothy to speak the truth in love, even if it hurt, even if it was offensive to some. For example, in the text we just heard, he says, and here I'm using the old New American Bible translation, it says, Timothy, take as a model of sound teaching what you have heard me say in faith and love in Christ Jesus. Now, Timothy must have heard St. Paul say a lot of difficult things, because Paul did that on a regular basis. That's clear from his many New Testament letters. St. Paul was not a wimp. He wasn't afraid to confront the issues, the prevailing social and cultural issues of his day. And make no mistake about it, Paul suffered because he was so honest and truthful. That's why he tells Timothy here, Never be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But with the strength which comes from God, bear your share of the hardships with the which the gospel entails. In other words, Tim, if you intend to be a good priest, get ready to be opposed. They're ready to be opposed by some people when you speak the full truth of the gospel. It happened to me, it's going to happen to you. Don't think you're going to be exempt from the experience. But don't be afraid either. God will give you the strength you need to deal with it. Then a few minutes later, a few verses later, Paul gives him this most important instruction. He says, guard the rich deposit of faith with the help of the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us. The key word in that verse is the word guard. Notice St. Paul does not say change the deposit of faith if you feel like it. He doesn't say water down the deposit of faith if it challenges you too much. He tells Timothy to guard it. That's because neither Paul nor Timothy nor Peter nor anybody else had the power to change it. The same is true today. Now, this is something that many modern Catholic lay people and others, including some bishops in Germany right now, don't seem to understand. They want the Church to change her teaching on the priesthood and on certain aspects of sexual morality. The Church does not have the power or authority to do that. It never did and it never will. All the Church can do is what Paul says here. All the Church can do is guard it and promote it. The deposit of faith. The deposit of faith, of course, is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm confident that St. Timothy followed St. Paul's instruction, which means that if he had been a priest today and a married couple had come to him seeking guidance on how to deal with their infertility, Timothy would not have given them the wrong advice in order to be a nice guy. He would have gently and patiently and courageously explain to them the clear teaching of the Church on the matter. And then he would have helped them to explore morally acceptable options to deal with their difficult situation, like NAPRO technology. NAPRO technology treats infertility with natural methods, 
which are based on science, good science. I ask you this morning to pray that we will have more leaders of this type in God's family in the future. And certainly in your best interest to do this, because good priests like Timothy not only save their own souls, they also take many lay people to heaven with them. Bad priests, on the other hand, do exactly the opposite. And we've had far too many of them in the church in recent decades, as we are all painfully aware. St. Paul and St. Timothy, please pray for us. Pray especially today for our leaders, for all bishops, priests, and deacons in the church. Pray that they will speak the truth in love to their people always, as you both did. Amen.